Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. I tell you, I have spent some time now going to other churches, and it's not like this everywhere. It was a shock to me. What? They don't have great contemporary music? They don't have great uh, traditional music? What? What's wrong? We're so grateful, though we are thankful for all the talent we have here. And uh, I'm also grateful we had a wonderful children's service this morning, and I see some of you all double-dipping. We're in the children's service and coming to, to traditional service, so welcome. I'm so glad to have all of you here this morning in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? My name's Ray Wheeler. I'm the associate pastor here at First United Methodist, and I want to add my welcome to our lead pastor, Pastor Michelle. We hope that you feel celebrated and encouraged and loved in this space this morning. So our scripture lesson this morning, as we're thinking about World Communion Sunday, is from Luke chapter 4, verse 14 through 30. And I invite you to listen for the Word of God contained in this holy scripture. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been raised on the Sabbath. He went to the synagogue, as he normally did, and stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and sat down. And every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. Everyone was raving about Jesus. So impressed were they by his gracious words flowing from his lips. And they said, this is Joseph's son, isn't it? And then Jesus said to them, undoubtedly, you will quote this saying to me, doctor, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard you did in Capernaum. And he said, I assure you that no prophet is welcome in the prophet's hometown. And I can assure you that there were many widows in Israel during Elijah's time when it didn't rain for three and a half years and there was a great food shortage in the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to a widow in the city of Zarephath in the region of Sidon. There were also many persons with skin diseases in Israel during the time of the prophet Elisha, but none of them were cleansed. Instead, Naaman, the Syrian, was cleansed. When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was filled with anger, and they rose up and ran him out of town. They led him to the crest of the hill on which their town had been built so they could throw him off the cliff. But he passed through the crowd and went on his way. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I would so appreciate it if you would join me in a moment of prayer this morning. Holy God, we invite your spirit into our worship this morning. Grant us a deeper knowledge of who you are and your desire to work in our lives. Speak through me this morning so that because of me or in spite of me, 
Your will may be known to your people. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So this is a really famous scripture story. It's one that I've known since I was a child, and I've always had questions about this story. I always wondered what made these people so mad that they ran Jesus out of town and tried to throw him off a cliff. And then as I got a little older, I I was amazed with Jesus' Jedi mind trick, where he just says, this is not the Messiah you're looking for, and walks away. So this story is present in all of the synoptic gospels. It's in Matthew, it's in Mark, and in Luke. But in Matthew and Mark, it's way toward the end. When they're telling the story of the life of Christ, it's toward the end where he is going towards Jerusalem. He set his face to Jerusalem, and it's close to the crucifixion. But when Luke tells his story, he places it right at the very beginning of Christ's ministry. And Luke does this Because the writer of the Gospel of Luke wants to say right up front the purpose of Christ's ministry in clear terms. Luke is giving us a very Lucan theme of the universalization of the Gospel message. Christ is saying this grace is not just for insiders. It's for the poor. It's for the lost. It's for the marginalized of the world. And brothers and sisters, that's us. We're on the outside. Luke's universal message is for us, and we're beneficiaries of this grace. Praise God. So let me unpack some of the ideas in this story. Christ chose to read and preach on this passage from the prophet Isaiah to tell the people in the synagogue and the world that his ministry has begun, and this is the year of Jubilee. Christ reads this passage from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach the good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, and to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isaiah is talking about Jubilee. We know something about a year of Jubilee because we paid off a church debt that we've been kicking down the road for about a decade We pay that off in about two weeks because of the generosity of this congregation. That's jubilee. And Christ is speaking of freedom, liberation from debt, liberation from sin. And Christ is saying, I've come to set the poor free. The New Testament scholar Joel B. Green has written about this passage. And he says, the poor are understood best in this passage as the marginalized, excluded from social and religious intercourse, because of any number of combination of factors, such as those related to gender, age, economic destitution, physical malady, or religious impurity. And Jesus reads this prophetic book, and then he sits down, he sits down to preach a sermon. Now, in the synagogues of this time, the tradition was you stood for the prayers, and you stood for all the readings, But then the rabbi would sit to preach. So when it says all eyes were on Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to preach. So everybody's looking at it. And at first, his hometown crowd is really impressed with Christ's knowledge and authority. And the scripture says they were amazed. and They said, isn't this Joseph's son? In other words, they were saying, I knew this kid in the neighborhood. He built me a table once. Is this him? And they're thinking, hey, we are going to get some great blessings from God, because we're the hometown crowd. Jesus is one of us. 
And so the hometown crowd is saying, wow, we're going to get something here. And Jesus can see that in their hearts. They don't recognize Christ as the Son of God because of their familiarity with Him as just Joseph's son. They don't believe He's truly Christ. But this hometown crowd knows Jesus has been healing people. He's become famous already. He's been performing miracles. So they're waiting for the miracle. And then Christ sits down to preach. And He begins with a common Greek and Jewish proverb when He says in verse 23, Doctor, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we've heard you did in Copernicum. And he said, I assure you, no prophet is welcome in the prophet's hometown. But then Christ uses examples from the book of Kings, the stories of Elijah's miracle with the widow of Sidon and Elisha with the Syrian Naaman. And the crowd in the synagogue knows these stories very well. And they know Jesus is recalling times of judgment on Israel in which the respective prophets turn to outcasts and powerless people instead of the insiders and the chosen, and this is what makes them so angry. Again, Luke is emphasizing the universalization of the gospel message. These stories also anticipate miracles that Christ will perform when he travels away from this myopic hometown crowd. So, beloved, what does this mean for us here at First United Methodist Church? I believe this passage of Scripture is telling us that we need to love those in the world that are marginalized and those that are not necessarily valued in our society. Last week, Pastor Michelle spoke to us about the trans folks in our midst, and I have also been walking alongside families who have trans children. And I have to tell you that I have not one but two trans children in my family. So... I have some skin in this welcome game. But I also have some skin in the welcoming of immigrants because in about a week and a half, Pam and I are going to get on a plane and we're going to fly to Malaysia to be part of a Hindu wedding ceremony. Now, Malaysia has not really been on my bucket list, but it is now. I'm going to, I'm going to go. I'm going to really enjoy it. So many of you know that my bonus daughter, Pam's oldest daughter, is married to Indran. Her name is Kaylee. She's married to Indran. And we went to Minnesota in April for the Methodist wedding. But his parents were raised in Malaysia and England. And they immigrated here and they became citizens. And I'm very thankful for their family because they raised a wonderful son. He graduated as valedictorian from Bentonville High School when he was 16 years old. But more importantly, he's a kind man who treats my bonus daughter and his bonus father-in-law with great kindness, and I'm extremely grateful for that family. So as a father and a father-in-law, my deepest desire is that all of my children and all of their partners are welcomed and loved and celebrated, no matter where they go on earth. And certainly, I want them to be welcomed and loved and celebrated in the house of God. But for me, I can kind of take this another step, and I can think about this as a thought experiment. How much do I love my family and want them to be welcomed? And then I think, who is God's family? Can I analogize and see the world through the eyes of God? And who are the brothers and sisters of Christ? I believe when God looks across our world, God only sees beloved children. I believe God mourns with those who are caught in the flooding in Myanmar and in Bangladesh. 
He mourns with the children and women and men who are caught in the earthquake in Turkey or Syria, or those beloved humans who are trapped in war-torn Ukraine. So our founder, John Wesley, was roundly criticized because he did not preach just in churches. He preached in open fields and preached to large uh, crowds in open spaces. And, and people said to him, they wrote letters to him and said, why don't you just settle down, take a university teaching position, or serve one parish at a time? And he said, very famously, I look upon the whole world as my parish. So what does this mean for us on World Communion Sunday, brothers and sisters? Now, I cannot go directly to help overseas, but I can give money and offerings to UMCOR because our United Methodist Committee on Relief can take that money we give and channel that into concrete help in all of the places I mentioned above. They are often first on the ground as responders, and 100% of what we give goes to help those who've been impacted by war disaster. Also, the Bible is clear that we are to love the stranger, the immigrant, and the asylum seeker. And there is just no question that's part of our mission. The attorney and spiritual writer, Brent Hughes, puts it very well when he writes, although I may not be a policy analyst, I am a biblical theologian, and I can say with confidence that no matter what any country's immigration policy might be, a Christ follower's default position ought to be tenderness, and compassion toward immigrants. Hospitality is our moral baseline. These are ways we can love our world neighbors, but we don't have to look very far to find the beloved children of God who are in need in our own community. If you're here at FUMC on Tuesdays, you will see lots of folks who are in need of food and other kinds of support. And I think that's very important. But I think perhaps the most important thing for our congregation this morning is we need to resolve to be a light in this place at this time. To be a city on the hill for this community. I think sometimes we are tempted to meet hate with hate or exclusion with exclusion. But I challenge us to move toward extravagant Christ-like love. I believe it's the only way we can counteract the hate and the division that I know grieves many of your hearts. I think of the famous quote by Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King when he said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So I challenge us this morning as individuals and as a congregation to continue to move toward a Christ-like love and light. Let us do what we can to counteract hate and division and strive to be a light to our community and a city on the hill for our world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon Podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. 
We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace. Thank you.